This podcast is brought to you by Gundog Outdoors and Dakota 283 Kennels. Hi, hunters. Thank you for tuning into the Flushman Dustin podcast brought to you by Nick and Tyler, the boys from Ringnecks and Retrievers. In this podcast, we will talk about guns, dogs, gear, and our successes and failures in the field through our combined 40 years of experience. We speak with hunters just like you from across the nation about their days in the field and the many memories they built with their friends and family. We are excited to have you listen. Now let's get to Flushing and Dustin. Welcome to another Flushman Dustin Power Hour. It is Wednesday. I don't even know. April 27th. Is that the right date? Not even sure. But uh, 28th. One day off. So happy to have all you guys here. Uh, Nick. I'm Nick Duran. Uh, one of the founders with Tyler Melcher at Ring Next Three Retrievers and the Flushman Dustin Podcast. Um, we're going to do a rundown. I can do a quick rundown. Uh, live in Iowa, uh, Des Moines, Iowa, to be exact. Um, hunt over black lab diesel. I've hunted over dogs. I'm 34 since I've probably been for 24 years now. I'd say I had a dog real early, about 10 years old, for my parents. My dad got me into hunting, um, so that's where my passion for ring and retrievers and this podcast comes from. Um, it's a real passion. Really, just want to help people as much as I can, uh, and I like to learn. Uh, there's a lot of great people that Tyler and I have met through this podcast um and it really helps us out so i'm going to turn it over to tyler go ahead um again tyler melcher part of ring nicks and retrievers um i hunt over two goldens and they are my first bird dogs uh, i have hunted over i grew up hunting over labs uh i'm 30 oh shit, 33 <laughs> 32 hold on i don't remember what one of those uh but anyways so i've started hunting about when i was 14 15 uh over dogs and then took a little hiatus through college just didn't have the time um yeah here we are so if uh brian grave you want to introduce yourself and your instagram yeah i'm brian grave my instagram is just simple last name first name grave brian i've been hunting over dogs for just about 20 years i have a three-year-old Brittany and a one-year-old small Munsterlander. Nice. Uh, Christos, is that how you say your name? Great, yep. Awesome. You want to introduce yourself? Yeah, so uh, my name is Chris Alexopoulos. I'm uh, out of Boston, Mass, and I've been hunting since I was 21. I've around 11 years now, and uh, I hunt over a three-year-old Pico Lavender. Oh, cool. Uh, Nate, you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, Nate Strickler, Central Iowa as well, just outside of Des Moines. Uh, my second power hour with you guys. Enjoy the conversations. I am the old man of the group, uh, 46 <laughs> years old now, be 47 here this summer. I've been hunting over dogs since 97, 95, 90, 96, probably 95, 96, somewhere in there. It was uh, unlike you, Tyler, I actually started hunting over dogs in college. So that's where, uh, when I started this, what's now become this passion of mine. I have, uh, my Instagram handle is just my name, Nate P, middle initial P, Strickler. I have three Vichlas at home. I have had four, one's passed away. Two, uh, I'm still hunting behind. My 12, almost 13 year old is now retired. Nick Martin, you want to go? Yeah, I'm Nick Martin. Uh, my Instagram handle is Iowa underscore bird chaser. And I will say, even though Nate claims the oldest in the group, he's still damn young. So 
You got plenty of years of hunting left. Um, (laughs) I live on the east side of Iowa. I'm out out of Cedar Rapids, and I have a griffin that's three years old. I grew up with bird dogs, been hunting since about eight or nine, uh, but have my own, uh, have my first bird dog now, currently who's three, so. And Jesse, you want to go? Yeah, um, my name is Jesse Hilton. My Instagram is Hilton Jesse. Um, and that's he found Hilton. it. Hilton yeah. with a yeah, I did. <laughs> it's Hilton with a Y, not an I. Um, but uh, I've been hunting with dogs since I was twelve. I'm 29, and uh, we. I grew up with Britneys, but now I have a one-year-old wire hair pointer. Nice. Where you where'd you of? say you're at? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, Minnesota. I'm just oh. north suburbs of the Twin Cities. Nice. Awesome. So, uh, well, thanks for the introduction, everyone. Uh, so for this power hour, we actually reached out to, um, people on Instagram that follow us. So we posted for them to ask questions for this group to answer. And one of the first questions, lo and behold, is if you could only choose one, are you going to choose a pointer or a flusher? and why so obviously yeah geez nick martin the iowa bird chaser over here playing dubstep music (laughs) taylor swift back there dog (laughs) stepped on the remote kicked on video on demand well good thing it would kick something else on (laughs) yeah seriously (laughs) but uh so obviously we kind of have a mixture in here. Um, Nick and I, we run point or <laughs> flushers. They do sometimes point. Yeah. Um, but I mean, my reason I'll, I'll start my reason for choosing a flushing dog. Um, one, I've only hunted over, you know, I grew up hunting over a lab. So it's kind of the main, that style is really all I know. Uh, it's what I enjoy watching in the field. Um, and my girlfriend, she, she likes the looks of the golden retrievers in the labs. Um, and it was to get something a, she likes the looks of, yeah, doesn't like looking at me, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, it was a, a thing where, you know, I wanted a dog that she enjoyed having around and one that I could take to the field. And, uh, so that's how we landed on a golden retriever. Um, and I've enjoyed it. Uh, hunting over them so that's my reason for choosing the flusher yeah so great tyler um i also have a flusher nick uh, i have a black lab uh one thing uh some advice that i took away from somebody you know we all here think we have the best dog and we're not wrong so that's just one thing to always keep in mind everybody thinks their dog's the best and it is because it's your dog um so that's one thing i always keep in mind when i get asked this topic um i don't think there's a right or wrong answer it's just your preference and what you grew up with uh same thing as tyler um my parents got me a black lab at 10 years old um and i've had three of them diesel's my third one obviously grew up with him um then i got to diesel and i started doing uh, some competitions with him so i actually put a hunting title on him uh, and that really addicted me to um, what retrievers could do. 
and I actually, and, and most dogs probably could do what he does as well. I'm not saying that, but I just got to see what he could do. Um, and that really just kept me involved. And so I just kind of love the breed and I don't know that I'll ever be able to go away from that. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the same thing as, as Tyler. Um, well, I grew up with pointers. We had three Britneys when I was growing up. So I'm kind of partial to pointers and, uh, I, I guess I like the way they, if your pointer works well, the way that they range out and then you can kind of watch your dog and they just work and work and work. And then, you know, lock up on point, you can go up there. And if you have an honest dog, most of the time there's a bird in front of them and that's why I like pointers. <laughs> yep. I'm with Jesse. Same thing, right? Starting as I shared earlier, 95, 96, 97 hunting them, there wasn't big block CRP like there is now, right? You hunted draws, draws, you know, here in Iowa, you hunted draws between, you know, dispersed between bean or cornfields at the time, right? So you didn't have cattails, you didn't have big blue stem, big blocks of CRP. If you had any big block at all, it was brome, right? So, you, yep. could, you know, knee high, best case type scenario. So seeing a pointing dog run out and range like that, and completely change their demeanor and lock up. It's fantastic. And I've shared in, in previous time with you guys, it was a wire hair. It was behind a wire hair. That was the first dog I, I hunted behind and was amazed how she would just find those birds and hunt point like that. And, and we got Vishla's. We were actually looking at Wimes in 2000, 99 or 2000, and ended up getting a Vishla, which was a, a little known dog to us at least, and seemingly to, uh, to many people, I mean, Vishlas are much more prominent now than they were in 2000. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, picked up at, sure are. Yeah, yeah. Picked up a, a Vishla then uh, to run with us a lot. Both my wife and I ran. Uh, have allergies as well. So the pointer breed really generally, point. you know, Britneys are a little bit different, right? But pointing breed generally is a shorter coat. They certainly, they, they definitely shed. I mean, don't, <laughs> don't let people tell you otherwise, but the shedding is less so than typically a, a longer haired, often uh, uh, um, flushing type dog. Anyone else on this topic or you think we're, think we're good? Yeah, I'll, I'll throw my two cents in here. I have a bird chaser. Oh, um, get it, Nick. Get it. Hey, hey, I'm just going to be honest <laughs> with you here. Nate thought I was going to be middle of the road, but I'm going to tell you flat out here. This is my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> if you're looking oh, to put, hey, if you're looking to put birds in the bag, a flushing dog is going to be superior to a pointing dog, in my opinion. If you're looking for more of a relationship, building that training, seeing that dog range and lock up on point, which is what I enjoy, I think a pointing dog is more up your alley. I don't think you're probably going to put as many birds in the bag. I'm not telling you, you know, one's better than the other per se, but, you know, flushing dogs are going to be doing a little more probably than or, or you know as uh, having pointing dogs sometimes you know as as you know depending on the wind direction things of that nature you know there's birds that sit tight on public land that your dog's running over as we all know so that's kind of my two cents on it i mean i get it any old dog could just run in the field get lucky and bump it up you call it a flushing dog i agree I nate I, I, I agree nate so that's what i'm saying if you got birds in the back then go get that willy-nilly that just runs all over but if you want style you want you know precision you want to see that that training payoff not that you guys don't work hard on the flushing side um 
yeah, I just think there's a little more style on the pointing dogs, but yeah, I think retrievers I, are are more versatile, right? Yeah, waterfall, and yeah. I, I think they're a, a, you know maybe drawthars or wire hairs maybe might compete a little bit in that space, but you know I'll throw out something there, and this was actually a Vishal, and I'm not saying that your Vishals could be different, or but she was pretty small, she wasn't very tall. Um, and actually hunted out in Adele at, uh, they're having a hunting competition out there at Doc's, uh, yeah, club. Doc's. Yep. And so I was, uh, hunting with a buddy of mine who has a Vishla down here and we went out and his dog, it was cold out. It was like February and it was like negative. I don't know. It was negative degrees. out. It was cold. His dog shut down, didn't hunt. And we had to get 10 birds or something. Diesel got seven. His dog got one. So if his dog could have performed, we probably would have won that competition but his dog was so cold and it, it didn't move. And I'm not saying that would be other Vishlas. He's the only Vishla I've hunted over. So that's all I can come on, comment on. So Nick, and, my experience, I grew up with German short hair pointers and growing up when you get into those later months, late December, early January, right at the end of the season, sometimes our German short hair pointers, I mean, they get out of the car and they just be like, yeah, forget you. I'm going back to the kennel. Yeah. And gen generally speaking, longer coat is definitely going to benefit a dog, yeah. right? And that, yeah. you know, on the flip side of that is, you know, I run setters and actually a yellow lab as well early in the season. They can't take the heat. Nope. Right? So, You're absolutely right, Nate. So I was yeah. going to say your dogs probably benefit. You're probably out there taking advantage of early season where I'm like, yeah, I can go an hour and a half and my dog's like ready for a, you know, a swim. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Same. Same. Yeah. With, uh, so Tyler and I hunted, Oh God, I didn't know what it was. Was it early November last year? And we hunted half a day and we had to be done. Dogs were, dogs were burnt up. I mean, we got nine, we got what? 10 birds. Yeah. We got 10 birds. So we were about done anyway, but we couldn't hunt anymore. We were done after that. Christoph or Christoph sound like you were going to say something. Yeah, I mean, up here in Boston, you know, the, the weather can change too. So having that, that inner coat with the, like, my dog's half usual, half lab. So she's like that happy medium. So definitely when the weather drops, you know, you can see some of the guys who have uh, smaller dogs. They don't, they don't want to be out there long, long time. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I've always liked pointers in their style, uh, you know, kind of getting out there, finding the bird, ranging out and, and you know, holding it for you to get out there. So. When I was getting my dog, that, that's what I wanted. And I, I researched, 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 wanted to get a Vishla. And then ever since I got Stella, um, everyone has a Vishla here in Boston. And none of them hunt them, which is my biggest pet peeve in terms of bird dogs. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and it's just funny, just a short story. I'm in Boston and uh, this girl's like, my boyfriend's dog, all it does is point. It looks at birds <laughs> and points. And I'm like, you do realize that that's what it's, right to do. Yeah. Yeah. yep that's <laughs> so, funny yeah. nice awesome. i think for this question overall nick you nailed it right it's it's the dog that you have and and there i think there are some truths that most people will agree to hunting conditions whether it be weather whether it be field do you need a big rangy dog or not generally speaking right a pointer yep. is going to range jesse's right so it depends on type of cover depends on weather depends on how fit you are as a person how you want to hunt all these things matter Yep. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, all right. So the next question that we have, and I don't have personally much experience with this cause I've never used pigeons. I've only used quail, but, uh, so can you keep pigeons 
if you don't have a coop and anybody that runs with pigeons, is there a budget-friendly option for if you have to build a coop, uh, is what I'm guessing the individual was uh, talking about. Um, and then um, how do you use the live birds for trainings uh, if pigeons, any advice on handling before the training? So anybody that it uses birds? So I used to use pigeons, and my coop was the silo behind my parents' house, and then I'd go shoot one when I wanted to use it. <laughs> <laughs> so you had, kill, you had kill pigeons, not homers? I, yeah, no, I didn't have yeah. homers. I would go shoot yeah. them, and then I would use them for training. Um, but, yeah, I don't I, – I don't, I've only known one guy that's used uh, honing pigeons, and I'm not sure how it really went. Uh, he had a coop and everything, but I think he sold it. So I'm not sure it was very successful. That's yeah. So I had, I had, I do not now, uh, but I had pigeons for, I had homers, so not kill pigeons. And this is in my house prior. Um, and I built a coop, saved money, right? I just built a coop, looked at plans online and built a coop. So you can do that in a cost-effective way. If you have kill pigeons, you can use, as you mentioned, Nick, you can use anything, right? Yep. Uh, and you don't have to worry about handling them or anything because you're going to kill them, right? You're going to shoot them. But if you have homers, you need to build a coop and you need to have bobs. You need to train the birds to home back to the coop. So ideally, you get some squeakers or some young pigeons, young homers. Um, get them, keep them in your coop for a while, um, and then start training them. You know, taking them out, let them out of the coop take them further away from the house and train them to come back. Uh, nowadays, what I would actually do is I'd look uh, for used coops because I think, Nick, a lot of people do just as you had shared, right? Yeah, they so eventually was, get out of the game. He had, if I remember, he had like 30 of them yeah. in this coop. And, well, once, uh, once they breed, they, they lay a lot of eggs. And the more light you keep in the coop, the longer they'll lay eggs. And if, if the babies hatch there, they're golden. I mean, they're going to be perfect homers for you. Right. Um, yeah. And it's, I, I thought it was pretty fun. Um, but once you train your pup, right. And then you got to keep feeding and watering in Iowa and Boston, like Christos mentioned, you got to worry about freezing water and all that. So you got to run electricity out there, figure out a way in which to keep the water from freezing, pay for the feed and all that. So a lot of people get homers for their pups. And then once they get their pups through a season or two, they get rid of them. So I would look, if you're looking to save money, I'd look to see if Craigslist or something like that, if you can find Facebook, whatever marketplace, see if you can find something used first and foremost. Yeah. Somebody might be willing to sell the pigeons and the coop. Yeah. A lot of people, a lot of people will sell squeakers. You can get those for five, six bucks, something like that. Okay. Here in Iowa, at least. I don't How know small that. are those? Squeakers? Yeah. <laughs> um, they are, it's, it's kind of hard to explain. They're really ugly. <laughs> they're not that much. <laughs> they're not that much smaller than a normal pigeon. They just don't have all their feathers. So you see a lot of the pin feathers and their beak isn't fully, their beak is actually bigger because it hasn't hardened and calcified. Uh, and they actually, when you grab them, they squeak. That's why you call oh. them squeakers. And then so, about how long after you would purchase a squeaker, would it be available flying? to, yeah, Depends, to yeah. use for training, I guess. Uh, for training, maybe depends on how far away you're going to train from your coop. Uh, but not long. I mean, they grow fast. There's reasons why you don't, we don't see baby pigeons out under bridges, right? It's because they, they grow so fast. Um, but as for how to handle them with homers, I always handled them with gloves, but that was mostly about wanting to keep my scent off of the bird when I planted them on the ground for the dog. I didn't want the dog to track my scent, but the bird scent. And then I use launchers. 
automatic launchers, but you can use step launchers or anything like that too. Um, and that's mostly pointing, pointing dog oriented. Um, and then it was fantastic. I thought it was, I thought it was a fun game. I've seen with those pigeons, he would tie almost like a little weight around their foot. Yeah. So then they would, they would literally fly once you kicked them, but they would go, you know, I don't know, 40 yards or something like that. They wouldn't go very yeah. far. Yep. So then you can work I your can... dog again on that bird yep. and then you kind of keep jumping around. Yeah. Uh, I used to string and then like a little rubber hosing is what I would hang just little rubber hosing on that. I actually didn't like that as much. Um, the flight was the flight path. It was just too simulated. It wasn't realistic for me, and, but it could have been my poor application. Just teach your, teach your birds to home. Uh, and then the ability to move miles. I mean, dozens and dozens, 50 miles away from your house. Once you have real good homers, um, and take a half dozen out or something, put them in launchers, work your dog in. If he's taking steps, you know, bump as simulate a bumped bird, a bumped wild bird, get them to hold. I mean, it's a very, very valuable tool. Pigeons. No, I've, I've personally not used pigeons, but I've used quail. And <clears throat> I mean, I just, my dad grows them at home and then we take them out to his land, shake them up, plant them. And then, but I, you obviously have flushing dogs, so it's a little different how you, you know, use the birds. Um, I, I have heard of some guys using launchers for flushing dogs. Um, I don't know how beneficial it really is. Uh, I think if you want to maybe slow your dog down when it catches on that scent, you know, it could be helpful. But uh, personally, I like my dogs diving in, even though they do point sometimes. Um, but it's fun watching them dive in and seeing the birds kick up. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, does nobody else, nobody have pigeons? Nick, do you have pigeons? Yeah. So I have pigeons. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have homing pigeons and kill pigeons. Uh, I'll kind of, my what the hell are you being on. so quiet for then? Yeah. I was just waiting for my turn. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just being patient. Um, so I would be more than willing to, post videos on the Iowa bird chaser Instagram or, you know, collab with you guys in regards to showing my coop. I built my coop for about a hundred dollars. It's four, four by four posts. And then I built four panels that basically. How long ago did you build it? Yeah. About a year ago, nice. but yeah. probably like 400 bucks. everything, everything will still be the same except for my roof is a sheet of plywood that then I painted flex seal on instead of shingling it. Um, so I can show how to do a relatively, if you just are looking to hang on to some kill pigeons for a few weeks, I can definitely show you a setup to hang on to them. If you're looking for more of a Homer setup, you know, um, could show you some tips on that also, but I think, you know, I agree with everything Nate said. I think that pigeons are an awesome tool, especially with pointing dogs. They're a great tool. Homing pigeons have really helped my dog and I will only utilize them more this off season in regards to like firming that dog up and just holding, you know, making sure the point is tighter. And then uh, in regards, when you're working on that retrieve type stuff, the kill pigeons are great. Personally, I think, in, I think in general, if you can get your, some feathers in your dog's mouth to build that, to, to build that drive. I mean, that's what you're looking for ultimately. Exactly. You know, uh, yes, using the live birds for pointing and stuff, but if you're starting your dog young, I'd break the wings on a couple of those pigeons and let them flop around, let your dog go get it. 
yeah my advice on that and that's what we do in our navda groups we'll actually we'll pull those primary feathers off and we'll just let that bird run around and let the pup kind of chase it just to kind of work on that drive now i'm talking when those pups are real real early and we're not even doing formal stuff yet but um just my two cents on pointing dogs I started with quail actually and quail get tired very quick. So they travel maybe 50 yards and they naturally come down. So for some of these pointing dogs that can range out there hundred yards or so, my dog was just running out there and retrieving the quail once it got tired and came down at 50 yards. So what I really liked about those pigeons, especially the homing ones, and I use automatic launchers as well as Nate does is when you launch that pigeon, especially the homing ones, that thing is gone. It is not coming back. And as far as pointing dogs go, that really teaches that dog. I mean, a couple, um, a couple uh, scenarios of that, the homer flying away, that dog gets upset real quick because it's not getting that reward. Now, one thing I want to th throw in there that I utilize um, when I train, especially if you have a pointing dog and you are working on steadiness training, one thing that I do that I think is really helpful is I will put a homing pigeon in the automatic launcher. If that dog comes up and it goes on point and then it starts to creep or something, let's say I'll launch that homing pigeon and it'll come home. Dog doesn't get the reward. If the dog holds the point and does what it is supposed to do, I will not launch the launcher, but I have a bag that I carry with me that has kill pigeons in it. And if that dog is holding a tight point and doing what it's supposed to do, I will go up to the launcher and start kicking around, simulating a flush in a normal hunting scenario. And then I will pull a kill pigeon out of my bag. Usually I actually have the kill pigeon in my hand ready when I walk up to the trap and I just make the decision to either throw the kill pigeon or launch the homer. But if the dog does what it's supposed to do, I will just throw the kill pigeon up in the air. It flushes like, a you know, the dog doesn't know any different. And then we shoot it and kill it. If the dog takes a couple steps, does what it's not supposed to do, I'll launch the homer out of the trap. The homer goes home. I put the kill pigeon right back in my bag. The dog doesn't get a reward. So that is a tip that has really helped me in regards to utilizing the homers and the kill pigeons at the same time. Pretty yep. interesting. And we're, we're kind of already touched on it. Now, one of the questions with, with the first year dog, do you train with live birds leading up to the season? And I think we've kind of touched on it, but, you know, like uh, Nick Martin, you were just saying, you know, at, at what point did you start getting to that level of training with your dog? Did you, were you running him with the bird launchers prior to his first season or was his first season more of, um, you know, the introduction to the you know, the broken wing bird and then letting him go out there and just figuring it out the first season and then really formalizing it for his second season. So my first season was more just working with the broken wing and that kind of working on the, just the drive that was already naturally in the dog. But that was just because I did not have access to launchers and homers at that time. I think if I had access to it earlier, once my dog was showing enough off of, you know, a wing on a string and a, a bird with broken wings kind of just chasing it. If that's six months or eight or nine months, if my dog is showing that it's ready and it's already kind of semi-pointing, in my personal opinion, I would have not have been scared to put it on some launchers at that point. Um, I think you need to be careful with launchers. I think one big tip that I would give with people that if you're new to using bird launchers 
is if you're new and your dog is young and new to using bird launchers, if your dog comes right up to that launcher and goes on point, do not set off that launcher because you are going to scare your dog and it's going to hurt you down the road in other training scenarios. But if your dog's, you know, 5, 10, 20 yards off of the launcher, you're, you're definitely safe to launch it, in my opinion. When is the uh, Iowa Bird Chaser book coming out? Nick Martin. <laughs> I think Nate I think Nate deserves a book long before I do. Maybe we yeah, can collab yeah. and the Iowa Bird Chaser slash I don't even know what Nate wants to coin himself as the wizard because yeah, we yeah. see all the yeah I he puts the work on, he puts the miles on Nate. Oh, for sure he does. So I mean yeah. you see pictures of him limiting out every weekend, but that is not a guy that just jumps into a field and shoots six birds with his friend and walks out. That is a guy that has worked year round on his dogs, on his scouting, on his relationships with farmers. Um, so I, you know, out of anybody in this group that I know, I think all the credit needs to go to Nate at this point. You know, I definitely have a little knowledge, but Nate's, but Nate's hit it a lot harder than we have. Oh yeah. Bye. Yeah. I appreciate that. But I agree with everything you said about that. Some, even the sound of launcher launchers at times can impact certain Absolutely. dogs. Absolutely. Pointers Absolutely. are generally, I think, softer than getting back to the pointer versus retriever thing. So you got to be careful about that. And, and Tyler, back to your question. Here's, here's how I would answer that. Is it big fat? It depends, right? It completely depends upon the demeanor of the dog. What I like to do, first of all, everybody with a pointing dog likes to do exactly what Nick said. Wing on a string, start with that, right? You do the video and all that type of stuff. I, and that's okay, right? I think you can definitely overdo that and you could teach a pointing dog to have a low head. So I always have the string, I always have the wing high. So yep. the pointing dog gets used to pointing with a head high. Um, but I look to find, like with my with Maverick, my just now one-year-old dog, who I was using launchers at probably five months with, back to, was that Tyler or, or Nick, one of your questions? But it completely depends upon the demeanor of the dog. And he didn't have yep. a lot of chase in him. So Nick, you mentioned, right, you like to pull some pin feathers or break a wing on a pigeon. I definitely like to, to do that with, I usually start with quail because um, it's small, easy to retrieve uh, yep. for any timid dog or a smaller mouth dog. Um, and you can, you know, hopefully pull out that prey drive and get some chase in them. Yeah. And then I think that's that, a great point, Nate, is, yeah. is for a younger dog, a pigeon can be very intimidating and almost too be. much. Action. Yep. Yep. I always, I almost always start with quail and then I'll move to, to chucker because just pen raised chucker are pretty soft, at least what I get. Yep. Um, and then I'll move to the reusables, which are the, uh, the homing pigeons, because you can use them to create chase. If you want to do, you know, steady to shot, you can, when the dog's on point, after you work them through, as Nick had mentioned, right, you get them steady on their own point, And then you can do a flush. You can throw extra pigeons, right, and get the dog steady to whatever you want there and then eventually use a kill pigeon if you want to there um but but generally speaking homers are awesome because they're just reusable and you can use them to teach so many different things steadiness on point chase drive reusable um yeah and you don't have to pay you know five to eight bucks to shoot a bird yeah that's great advice guys does Super anybody great. anybody else have any training tips for introduction to birds wings anything so i probably did it completely wrong because i didn't have any access to birds but um we basically just my dad bought a litter mate to my puppy and uh we basically just put a wing on a training dummy tied it to a rope 
put the rope over a tree branch in the woods and you know kind of simulated walking the dogs through the woods like you're hunting like a grouse or whatever and uh and they she would go on point and then once she started moving in my dad would pull the string up pull it up Mm -hmm. and then that's all it was but you know obviously that there's human error so my dad a couple times pulled the dummy too far went over the branch and hit the (laughs) ground and then she chased it and um chased it down and grabbed it and retrieved and brought it right back to me so that was kind of cool but probably not the right way to do it with a pointer but we no, just Jesse, i just would throw i would just throw in there you know you, you you've mentioned a couple times probably not right with a pointer i mean i mean i think if your dog does what you want it to do as a hunter i don't think you did anything wrong in my opinion i mean exactly. yeah we can always we can always place it to a standard of what these guys that train all the time and they go to these competitions are but if you train to a way that your dog does what it wants to do when you're hunting in the field I would say that's a success. I mean, my dad trains completely different to me. I, I push him all the time and say, well, your dog should do this, should do that. And he's like, but this is what I want out of my dog. And I, and I think that's completely okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I just, I mean, we did some training this summer and then, um, she has a natural point. So I just brought her out to uh, public land and we hunted wild birds and she got a couple good points and, um, the last hunt of the year we went to a preserve with some of my friends and she got some really good points there so nice guess what you out. did was working right <laughs> yeah you know that's the main thing there's more than one way to skin a cat yeah you know and even even probably the best trainers out there they see a difference in a dog and but you know and they have multiple ways that they do it based on maybe how the dog's reacting to their training scenarios you know you know and i'll even say this you know nick martin brought up you know these pro trainers that are taking dogs to competition i've seen those dogs be able to do amazing things but that doesn't mean they're a good hunter there's a difference they are trained to do one <laughs> one one thing and go do that one thing and they don't it doesn't always translate to a field with multiple dogs hunting gunshots all this stuff it, it can but it doesn't always translate to that. So let alone public land, you know, you get on some of these yeah. pen raised birds that they're doing their competitions on. I mean, a yep. wild bird is Nate yeah. and a lot of you guys know. I mean, it's, it's completely different than your yep. trial. A pen raised quail often dizzied and planted is infinitely different than a wild rooster. Not even, it's not even in the same species as far as I'm concerned. Agree completely, Nick. For sure. You know, I got Tyler back to the question. I got some advice um, from a guy that's become a friend of mine earlier this year. And he said, uh, figure out what your pup's talents are or what he naturally, he or she naturally wants to do early on, and then look to encourage that. So rather than having a set plan, whether it be I want to do these things in this order, or they need to be on this timeline, or to Nick's mention, right, somebody's dog should be doing this figure out what they do well. So with a pointing dog, it could be a track, it could be a retrieve, it could be a point, right? Or it could be range and then quartering or come uncalled, obedience type stuff. Use that, build rapport with your dog, the relationship with the dog, and then you can extend into the things that you want to do later as that dog physically and mentally matures. I think that's great. That's great advice. Yeah, That's right. It's kind of a blessing and a curse. 
you can watch yeah. all the videos on training, but then you're like, my dog's eight weeks old and it's not doing this, you know? Yeah. But yeah. most good trainers, whether they be on YouTube or not, they will always, always, always put out and, and emphasize and reemphasize. There is no right time. The right time is specific to you and your dog. You as the yep. trainer and your dog as breed and that dog in and of itself. Um, so that's why, you know, a lot of times people send, I suspect not any of us, but we send our dogs, you know, to trainers and we ask, well, when, you, when am I going to get the dog back? And the real, a, a good trainer will say, I don't know. <laughs> Depends upon how fast the dog accomplishes whatever you're asking of, of him to train the yep. dog to do. So just patience, patience and practice. I mean, Jesse, that that's actually an old school uh, move well before my time that throwing it over the tree and pulling it up like that. Uh, whatever works, whatever works, man. Nice. Good conversation, guys. It's really good. Um, so I'm trying to keep it. I want to kind of keep it on the kind of going down the dog part of it. Um, let's see what was one of the other questions. So one of the questions was best way to train far retrieves solo. Um, I don't know. So for me, for that, you know, with retrievers, we probably train farther retrieves than what a pointing dog does, right? Um, usually a pointer isn't going to be making a hundred yard retrieves unless you wing the bird, you know, stuff like that. Um, but I think one of the main things to kind of maybe reword this question is a lot of us are training solo. We don't have training partners, right? Um, you know, and all of us don't have the tools to, you know, may not, maybe not be able to afford multiple launchers, right? Um, may not have the yard set up for having homing pigeons. Um, so I think one of the questions would be, you know, let's say when, when you first got started with your dog, right? When you first got into your very first dog, and Jesse, you kind of touched on this um, with the way that you threw it over the branch and pulled up, you know, that's the equipment that you use. But what, for someone that's literally just getting their dog, getting started, what would you say are a couple of the best training tools as a solo trainer that you could get for your dog to learn, learn what birds kind of are based on feathers and putting that in their mouth and wanting to actually like hold on to it. Um, I think, you're making you a question, I think you're making the question too complicated. He's asking. No, I, 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 I think I get what Tyler's saying and, and I'll throw I, in my two cents. I do regard. too, but I, I mean, I think they just want to know like to get their dog to go the distance, you know, obviously there's a numerous amount of steps and maybe they're already there. They're asking, how do you get your dog to retrieve long distance when you're solo? Like, so if you're going to train your dog, Tyler, to go out solo and they don't have a launcher, how are you going to get your dog to go a hundred yards to retrieve that bird or to retrieve that? Maybe they already know what the bird I is. I get that. I get that, that that's what the question is. However, that question single-handedly is a very detailed it question. It's a loaded too. question, but let's not get in the weeds. No. So I was bringing it out. Because you can go down so many different paths of that. Agreed. I guess, is, I guess is what I'm getting at. What I'm saying is 
without tools, what do we use when we are first getting into your solo training, you're by yourself and you're just getting into it? What, what do you do to get your dogs on bumpers and birds? You know, we're, so we're talking launchers yeah. and everything, but yeah, not so all here's what I, here's what I did. And, and maybe I can, um, it's, it's perfect setup here. It's like husband and wife and you guys, I'm right in between you. You guys are arguing here <laughs> and I'm going to be mediator between the two of you. So, uh, so cheap Tyler, right. And, and start out, but also to Nick's mention, answer the question. So most guys with pointers probably don't do force to pile like Tyler, you and Nick might do with retrieving dogs, right? I do teach my dogs force to pile. Um, but most of, most people probably do not. Uh, what I do, even even with young, at eight weeks, eight to ten weeks, I used a dead uh, quail. So somewhat cheap, right? Yep. Tyler gets to your mention about uh, feathers in the mouth. You can also do eventually, you know, a, a wing tied to a bumper, as I think it was Jesse that mentioned. But smaller, a pup can't typically handle a bumper. What I would do uh, is I would toss the bird hardly any distance at all, and I'd be very very mindful of the weather avoid the heat don't let the heat take your dog down right because you want to encourage drive prey you know predator type behavior out of that dog so very short retrieves just to get the dog's mouth on that as maverick my youngest dog got older i would toss the bird further and further and eventually it would get beyond his ability to, to physically see where that where that bird would be down so was the question 100 yards out or whatever um, i would use physical markers so and I'd use another person. So certainly you need somebody to help you here, right? But so I'd get my kids to help and they would have a dead bird and I actually introduced starter pistol at the same time. And I'd have a physical marker, a big rock or a block or any, anything that you want out there, 25, 50, 100 yards eventually. And I would throw, I'd have the dog at my side, the marker, whatever, 50 yards away. I would throw a bird uh, beyond his ability to see. My daughter would throw a bird up in the air where she's at, at the, at the marker where I want him to do the retrieve, shoot the gun, and there'd be that physical marker there. He would run to the physical marker and then use his nose to find the bird, pick up the bird and retrieve to me. So in that instance, I'm recognizing his inability to judge distance at that younger age, right? I get him to run the full distance, so 100 yards out. I get him to retrieve a dead bird and I get him accustomed to the gun and he does a come and call. So I have, I build up to that type scenario. Mm -hmm. Nice. No, that's, yeah. that's really good. Nate. I like that. I was going to say, um, cheap, uh, if that's what you're looking for, pheasant dummy or just a dummy that will absorb some scent. Uh, this is what I used to do when I was young, but one thing that you can do is you can throw a dummy so far and maybe throw it as far as you want. And dogs have a really good sense of range. Usually they're great markers. Back up, you throw it and back up. Yes, I know. But if you're looking to get that distance, throw it, back up, throw it back up even farther, and then keep working on it over time. Eventually, you'll be able to get to a hundred yard mark and farther. So, yeah, that was my simple answer. Is what I was getting at. Yeah, I mean, training, if you're training by yourself, obviously there's a ton of steps before that. But yeah, you know, because. Uh, yeah and I, I won't get into like how i'm doing it and the build up to it basically this simple answer is you build them up to doing remote marks where you can walk out as far as you want to be 
toss the bumper, you can walk back and then you can send your dog. Um, you know, that's, that's a simple answer, but to get there, there's a lot of steps, a lot of building blocks up to it. Um, you know, just remote sits, lining memories, marking yeah. abilities, retrieving, just, you know, all those things that you got to work up to, to be able to, and that's how you're going to do it solo is through those is yeah. that way. The other but, thing you could do is you could take one of those dummies with the scent on it and you could, if your dog will, uh, obey, have them sit and then you could just drag it or put them in the truck, drag it. And maybe you drag it a hundred yards and let them scent for that dummy for mm -hmm. a longer retrieve to extend your dog farther. But really I've ideally, done that with the dead rooster for my Navda yeah. tracking. Yeah. That's what we do is mm -hmm. you pull some feathers off the bird. You put them in a pile, you rub that bird all over the feathers in that tuft of grass. And then you drag it so many yards yep. on a string and then uh, let your dog out of the kennel, yep. out from behind the blind, whatever, and go. But ideally, yes, you need to start with obedience. You need to start with getting a birdie, and you start with the drive, uh, which leads into, you know, blind retrieves, and you need to do marks, and you need to do all that stuff, which will take you, which we, we kind of know oh. that. That's <laughs> the, it takes you a long time. We yeah. know that stage. Yeah. So um, do you guys want to keep going, or do you want to save questions for the next one? We're almost to an hour. I'll leave it up to you guys. Uh, I can I could say what the other question is if you want to hear a couple of them. Um, I'm, good for, I'm good for one more. Let's do it. I was going to say, right. I think we only had one or two left, didn't we? Yep. And I think we kind of just touched on that with uh, how to have more control in the field over a dog. Um, Nick, I think you just kind of touched on the main thing. Obedience, but... obedience, obedience. And once you get out of obedience and start retrieving, then you go back to obedience, obedience, obedience. <laughs> and that's and how you're going to keep the yard. Dog. Yeah. And it's in the yard. Don't look to do obedience, especially for the first time in the field, right? Yep. Do all your yard work, do all your obedience at home, and then look for application yep. in the field. And I don't care how old your dog is or how advanced it is. In my opinion, your dog is never too old or too smart to go back to some basic stuff in the off season just to tune it up. Yep. Yep. Yeah. One of the key things for training is I can't think of the word off the top of my head, but yeah, basically bringing the dog back to what it already knows and refreshing it. And I don't think you can ever work on recall, you know, enough. I think, Probably one of the most important things, is, and with bird hunting, uh, pheasant hunting, I think is is recall. Um, you know, you, you hear those horror stories of dogs that get on a running bird, or maybe they run after rabbits or something. You try to recall them, they don't recall, and they get to a highway and you know get schmucked by a car. Or, Tyler will something. know what this means. Oakley. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> have you guys has anybody heard that story the story yet i don't think uh, i know Nick, you, you tell, you're uh, so we're my sister has a 10 year old gordon setter beautiful dog beautiful dog um hasn't really been hunting much uh so uh, her boyfriend who she's been with for three years and uh, uh four years now i guess he's a big hunter just like we are and he tries to bring it out with us well we went out last year and one time we fucking lost it because it wouldn't come to our calls or nothing. We oh yeah, to, I remember that. Story. We literally had to quit the hunt and go get four wheelers and drive around this field, and we're scaring everything up. We finally found the dog laying in a wide open grass patch, as low as it get. I was like, "What the hell?" Then the next time we were out, and man, we just got birds everywhere. I mean, 
80, 100 birds. We're seeing him get up, and we're just like, what the hell? And so you just hear Josh's name, Oakley, 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 Oakley. And I said, fuck, I'm starting to think my name's Oakley after all this. Just keeps constant yelling. Well, finally, he's like, screw it. You guys stay here. I'm just going to go get him. So he tries to walk to go get him. And we're in snow, mind you, last hunt in January, last weekend of January, this past year. And he's pissed off. Dog won't listen. Uh, he got so close, he threw his gun in the snow and tackled this dog. The rest of the day, he tied the dog on a leash onto his belt. And sometimes he get pulled over and he's falling over, <laughs> walking with this dog and stuff. So... Yes, uh, the dog is not hunting with us anymore. We already said that it couldn't hunt with us anymore. And he agreed. <laughs> and, uh, but but the training, and now the, it wasn't his dog. It was my sister's dog, and she's divorced, and it was actually her ex-husband's dog who didn't do shit with the dog. So he's trying to make it something, which has been basically impossible at this point. So I, Obedience, obedience, obedience. When I, obedience, obedience. When right, I got uh, Jen, that's all I worked on for like, you know, however many months, every day, whatever. And I found out at the end of this last hunting season that my e-collar actually didn't work at all. And the first time that I took her out, we were getting, you know, getting our vests on, getting the guns out, whatever. And she just took off and I'm calling her, calling her. And I had the e-collar and I'm like hitting the e-collar. I'm like, there's nothing's happening. Obviously I shouldn't rely on that, but then she comes back 20 seconds later and then we're going through the woods and she sees a Tweety bird and takes off again. And then she comes back and, uh, and it happened a couple of times. And then finally I just tested it to see if my e-collar worked and found out that it only works within like 10 feet of the, the clicker. And, uh, I was just happy that she, always came back she'd be gone probably <laughs> five six hundred yards and then just come running back but uh i feel like that's because of the training that i had when she was a really young pup but i don't know yeah you can't always rely on e-callers to get your dog back that's all i'm saying <laughs> no no they got enough drive they can power through them <clears throat> or if the e-collar don't work then you have nothing you know yeah um but well, everyone, we appreciate for coming on. It's been about an hour. Uh, really good discussion, I thought, tonight. Uh, a lot of good information um, for anybody getting into bird hunting, anybody looking to get into pigeons training. Uh, very good. Uh, yeah, Nick and Nate, uh, thank you. You guys, a lot of, a lot of info there that pigeon-wise I was uh, not privy to. Yeah. So, again, we appreciate all that uh, for taking your time out of your – Wednesday night to step on and uh, help us make this power hour something. Um, so we hope to keep them going and hopefully you guys can join in some future ones. But sure thing. In the meantime, Flushman yeah, Dustin, boys. There you go. Good <laughs> meeting you guys. Christos, Jesse, nice meeting you. Right. Yeah. We'll yeah. talk to everyone yeah. later. See you, Brian. See Nick. you guys. Later. See you, Brian. See you, Christos, everybody. See you, Jackson. See y'all, guys.